We always like to say that history is his story. And the Bible is full of what we could call predictive prophecy, where the Bible tells us something before it happens. It's there on paper. And then when it happens, you're like, wow, how'd they know that? Well, simply because God is the Alpha and the Omega. See, God isn't shocked by the events that happen. God knows that's going to happen. This may come as a surprise to you, but God's fully aware of what's happening in your life. In fact, He knows what's going on in your life, your neighbor's life, even that of your work counterpart in another country. Every life on this planet is known by your Creator. And as Pastor Daniel will point out, God knows the future of what will happen in each life. Since He already knows, why not trust Him with your today? Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Daniel chapter 7 as he begins his message, Visions of the Future. You know, a lot of people get upset as they get older. I kind of find that as I get older, things get even more fun. So I'm old enough now that there are movies coming out now that were movies that I enjoyed when I was a kid, but they have to make the updated version of them. That's how you know when you're getting on in years, right? It's like the movies start coming back. So sure enough, just yesterday, one of the things that my kids love to do is they like to watch previews of movies. And so sure enough, I come on downstairs and there's the Karate Kid movie, but it's the new one, you know, which is not nearly as good as the old one. That's how you also you know you're old, that your original one was way better than the new one, right? And so there's a Karate Kid movie, but it's not Daniel LaRusso. It's not Mr. Miyagi. It's a whole new set of people, but it's the same movie, you know? And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, so you guys want to see the real movie? That's what I said. It's fun being old. It's like, you want to see the real movie? You know? And so I, I show my kids the preview of like the real movie. And I'm like, which one do you guys want to watch? And they were funny because they're just like, well, I actually want to watch the one that the movie doesn't look old and grainy. <laughs> I was like, what? Come. So I didn't get any Daniel LaRusso into my kids. But I bring this up because... I started thinking about this because, of course, when I start thinking of 80s movies, I get really, really excited about 1.21 gigawatts. There you go. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, you're too young. You know, it's back to the future, right? And it's like, one of the things that's so beautiful about movies, we love these movies where somebody knows the future. Because like, what do you do with that information? And it's fascinating if you look all throughout history, the history of humanity, this idea of what do you do when someone knows the future? Like if you read Greek mythology, there's something called, psychologists call it the Cassandra complex. But Cassandra was a daughter of one of the kings of Troy. And the Greek, as the mythology goes, the Greek god Apollos loved her, so gave her the gift of prophecy. But then he wanted to, he made an advance at her and she spurned his advance. So she has the gift of prophecy, but he also made sure that no one ever understood or believed what she was going to say. So the Cassandra complex is someone who knows the future, but no one will listen to them. And it creates all sorts of issues. 
You know, and so that's in Greek mythology. And then, of course, we have Back to the Future. And I remember Nostradamus. And you have all these different things where people are thinking, this is what the future is going to hold. And we get pretty fascinated by it, don't we? You know, these predictions that go on. There's not a year that doesn't go by where whatever your favorite pastime is, whether it's sports or whether it's investments or whatever, every year before the year starts, here's all the predictions. For those of you who like football, you're seeing a brand new mock draft every week, right? Every week, sports writer puts out, here's the new mock draft. And has any of them ever gotten even the first 10 picks right? No, but it's like a whole industry of these predictions. And I think there's something about humanity where we really desire to know the future. And what's beautiful as it relates to the Bible, of course, is that God knows what the future is. We always like to say that history is his story. And the Bible is full of what we could call predictive prophecy, where the Bible tells us something before it happens. It's there on paper. And then when it happens, you're like, wow, how'd they know that? Well, simply because God is the Alpha and the Omega. See, God isn't shocked by the events that happen. God knows that's going to happen. Because God's already seen it all, just the way from Back to the Future. Biff wasn't shocked by who was going to win the Super Bowl or the World Series. Why? Because he had the almanac from the future. And what's interesting is in the book of Daniel, we have a lot of prophecy, a lot of this predictive prophecy. And it's important for us to realize that when you know the future before it happens, it changes the way you live in the present. I'm going to say that again. When you know the future before it happens, it changes the way you live in the present. See, that's why the Bible has all this stuff, so that you and I would know this is the stuff that's going to go on so that it changes the way you live in the present. Like, let me give you an example from the Bible. God had told Abram that he was going to have a child, the son of promise, right? Now, God told him that, and even though Abram was old and Sarah was old, they were like, well, how's that possible? We be old, you know? But if they would have just trusted the Lord, trusted what he had to say, all sorts of things that are still going on today would never have had to happen. Because you guys know the story. They didn't trust. They didn't allow what God had told them would come to pass before it did to change the way that they lived. So sure enough, Abram's like, well, we got to take care of this. And Sarah's like, well, you should just take Hagar. She's my maidservant. You can go into her. You can marry her. You can have a child. And that will be the son of promise. And the Arab-Israeli conflict that rages to this day started right there. But what would have happened if they allowed God's word to change the way they live in the present? Now, what's beautiful, we're in this series, we're calling it friction, right? There's this tension between our culture and the faith that we live. The culture we live in and the faith that we have. And there's this tension that goes on. And how do you thrive in the tension? One of the ways that you and I learn how to thrive in the tension is by trusting what God says is going to happen. And so I want to show you something today that I think it should blow your mind. If it didn't blow your mind in chapter two, we'll go back around it again. So open up in your Bibles to the book of Daniel chapter seven, Daniel chapter seven. As we continue our study here in the book of Daniel, a message that I'm calling visions of the future. Visions of the future. I almost called it to infinity and beyond, but I didn't let that one go. And 1.21 gigawatts, but I figured someone that was a gigawatt. And so we landed on visions for the future. 
Daniel chapter 7. Now, I realize not every one of you are like know where everything is in the Bible. I do want you to take a Bible out or open up. If you have a smart device, just type in Daniel 7. I'm actually going to read the whole chapter to you. And so it's more fun if you read along. You'll also get a chance to see where I'm getting this stuff from. And the book of Daniel is pretty easy to find. It's in that last section of what we call the Old Testament, the section of the prophets. And he's the last of the major prophets. So it's the 13th book from the beginning of the New Testament, if you're counting, after the books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and then Ezekiel. Daniel chapter 7, it begins this way. In the first year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed, and he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea and four great beasts came from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And I watched till the wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man, a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly... Another beast, a second, like a bear, it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, arise, devour much flesh. Verse six, after this, I looked and there was another like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night visions and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. And it had 10 horns and I was considering the horns and there was Another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked up by its root. And there, in this horn, were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking, pompous words, or great things that could be translated. Verse 9, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow. His hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. Its wheels a burning fire, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. And the court was seated and the books were opened. And I watched then, because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking, I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. And for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Then he was given dominion and glory and a kingdom and all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Verse 15, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me, and I came near to one of those who stood by and asked him the truth of all this, and he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. These great beasts which are four are four kings which arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. 
So you notice now that this vision, verse 1, comes in the first year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylon. Now what's interesting is that we have this vision comes in the very first year. So this is about 555 or 556 B.C. So Daniel receives this vision. Nebuchadnezzar is no longer there. Remember, after a series of different kings, a man named Nabonidus came to power and he put his son Belshazzar to be kind of co-regent with him. And then Daniel receives a vision of these four kingdoms that are ultimately succeeded by a fifth kingdom that is the kingdom of God that never ends. Now, what I like to say with this And I think this is important, is that repetition is necessary. Repetition is necessary. Repetition is known to be the greatest of all teachers. And so repetition, when you hear something over and over and over again, the skill of something happening over and over and over again is the greatest teacher. So repetition is necessary. Now, the reason I say that is because this vision that Daniel receives, this vision of the four beasts, is actually has the exact same interpretation as Daniel chapter 2. Do you remember when we studied Daniel chapter 2 together? Remember, Nebuchadnezzar received this vision in the second year of his reign of this multi-metallic image, the head of gold, the chest and the arms of silver, the waist and the thighs of bronze, and then the shins and the feet of iron and the feet of iron mixed with clay with the ten toes. This is the exact same thing, but two different pictures given to two different people. Why? Because I believe that God loves us enough to want us to learn the most important lessons. And what's amazing is is that no matter in what sphere, repetition is the greatest teacher. If you want to get skilled at anything in the world, you need repeated time with it. Malcolm Gladwell, the New York Times bestselling author, he makes the point that if you want to become an expert in anything, you have to exert 10,000 hours in a specific field. So if you want to become an expert, it's 10,000 hours. Now, people took that and researchers started to research, is that really true? And a number of researchers have made the point that you can spend 10,000 purposeless hours doing something and you won't become an expert. But if you spend 10,000 purposeful hours doing something, you will become an expert. So it's not about time, it's about intensity. So if you think about it, if you want to become, like, LeBron James is a pretty good basketball player. You think? Maybe kind of good? Now you might be like, I like Steph Curry. Pick your favorite basketball player, right? How many hours have they spent getting good? Probably a lot over a long period of time. You know somebody who's really, really good at science, or they're an amazing engineer, or you know someone who's a phenomenal musician right? Someone who's an amazing chef. I mean, we can do this in any sphere. Repetition is necessary. You learn this thing over and over. You keep doing it over and you learn and you develop new skills. And the same thing is true for the things of God. See, we want every other sphere that you have to grow in that it takes time. But this one, we just like, I just want to get it. And the reality is, is that repetition is necessary because it grows us up. As you hear the Bible taught, as you serve the Lord, as you learn how to pray and you pray consistently over time, that's how a relationship is deepened. It's like that word intimacy, something that we all desire with people, intimacy with God, intimacy in relationships. It happens with what? Communication over time. That's how intimacy happens. Communication over time. So 
You need a lot of communication over a long period of time, and those are the relationships that are the most intimate. So repetition in a relationship also leads to intimacy. And so I don't think it's by chance that God gives a vision, although different visions with the same ideas in two different places in the Bible. Why? Because I believe that when the Holy Spirit decides to be redundant, it's because he wants to make sure that we get it. Now, before I give you the interpretation of all this, let me ask you a question I think is so important. What is a lesson that God is trying to teach you and you're getting it over and over and over again, but you're not learning it? Like, is there something going on in your life right now and has been going on where it keeps coming back to the same thing over and over and over again? Listen, that repetition is necessary. Because God loves you too much to leave you without a lesson being fully learned. So maybe you're one of those people who you've had a a long string of unhealthy relationships. And you're like, I don't understand why I keep getting involved in this. Well, maybe you're not learning the lesson. Because if it's repeating itself, then you haven't learned the lesson yet. Maybe you find yourself once again in a place where your health is giving out because of Lifestyle choices. Maybe you're here again because God wants you to learn this. Maybe spiritually you find yourself once again, you're like, I'm not what I want it to be. My anger is flared up. My this is flared up. This. Listen, God loves you enough to bring you back to things that we've learned already because he wants us to grow. And the only way to grow is through repetition. I mean, I've been thinking about this with my kids as I'm watching my littlest Annabelle, watching her vocabulary grow and her ability to make sentences grow. And you just think, and it's like, and then I look at Maranatha, who's almost nine. I look at the way she can communicate and she'll read a story, you know? And then I look at my son Obadiah now, who he reads, but he doesn't read out loud anymore. He just reads and he can go through a, I bought him a book a week ago. He's almost done with it. He may have finished it last night. You know, and I'm like, wow, it's all language, but they've been doing this every single year and they're learning it in school and they're writing papers and they're learning proper grammar. And over time, the goal is, is that by the time your kids leave school, they're like, I can read, I can write, you know, but think about the time that's spent to acquire these skills. And I think one of the things that God wants for us is to begin to embrace the repetitive nature of the lessons he wants to teach you. There's something about showing up and showing up again and showing up again and learning and growing. But I think what goes on oftentimes is that over time we get bored of the repetition, don't we? We're like, I already know this. I'll never forget one time someone said to me, well, you know, so Pastor Daniel, you're going to be, and this was in uh, New Jersey, like, well, you know, you're going to be teaching the book of Philippians. I read that already. And I was like, Good, I'm happy you read it. But God's word is alive. Like, no matter how many times you read it, it's like you come back to it and it's like, yeah, I knew that, but I didn't know that. Right? And in the same way, when repetition becomes part of what God is doing in your life, it's because, yeah, you learn some things, but there's other things that you haven't gotten yet. And God wants you to learn these things. And I believe that God wants... It's funny because... In Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar got in his first year. So Daniel was fresh in Babylon. Now it's coming in the second year of Belshazzar, 
right? So Daniel's already been in Babylon. He's like, okay, I'm going to give it to you again. In case you forgot it the first go around, here it comes again. So the interpretation of this is pretty simple. And I'm going to move pretty quick. And if you didn't hear Daniel chapter 2, I'd encourage you to check it out on our archives. Because I already talked about these things already and at a decent length. So Daniel writes down and says the main facts. First, we find out that the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, which it, the reference would have been the Mediterranean Sea for Daniel. And you have these four great beasts coming on up. Now, in verse 4, we see the kingdom of Babylon. Notice, it's a lion that had eagle's wings. This, on the Ishtar gate entrance in Babylon, there was literally a picture of a lion with eagle's wings. Right, And so this was a reference that Daniel would have seen many times. Notice that I watched till its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man and a man's heart was given to it. Now, obviously, this is a reference to Nebuchadnezzar and him being humbled in the wilderness and getting his heart and his mind returned to him, which we studied where? In Daniel chapter 4. So if you've been with us, you heard some of these things. So obviously, the first beast was Babylon. Now, in verse 5, it says, And suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear, was raised up on one side, had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and they said, Thus to it arise, devour much flesh. Now, if... The lion with wings is Babylon. Then obviously the bear lifted up on one side with three ribs in its mouth was the Medo-Persian Empire. Now what's interesting is Belshazzar's reign gives way to the Medo-Persian Empire. And if you were to read Daniel chapter 8, which is the next chapter, we get all sorts of information about the Medo-Persian Empire. And it's going into the third empire. What is interesting is it's a bear that is raised up on one side. And most scholars would tell you that the reason that is, is because it's the Medes and the Persians. But the Persians were really the dominant of the two cultures that came together. So the idea of this bear being raised up on one side, it speaks of the Persians having the preeminence in the relationship. The empire began with a Median king, but ended up the Persians ended up being the most well-known. Many scholars would also make the case that the three ribs in its mouth were the three major conquests of the Medo-Persian Empire. Babylon in 539, Lydia in 546, and Egypt in 525. Now, if you're scribbling those things down, God bless you. I'm going to move quickly. But this is like, you can just look in history books and you just read all this stuff. It's really powerful. Now, from there... In verse 6, we get the next one. After this, I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Now, the Medo-Persian Empire was conquered by the Greeks. Now, the Greeks, do you think the, the picture of a leopard with... The leopard is one of the fastest animals in all of nature, right? Now, you think of a leopard with some boosters, with some wings, and you get an extra even quicker... Right, And the Greek Empire was well known for the speed at which its army could move. History tells us that people expected the Greek army at a certain time they'd show up way early because they designed footwear to get them there faster. Jesus is Repetition is key to learning. Today, Pastor Daniel shared how this applies not only to your physical life, but also your spiritual life. The disciplines you create and adhere to will change who you are. Things like reading your Bible, praying, and seeking the Lord. Each of these will become easier and more natural the more time you spend doing them. 
These habits are good and beneficial and will be vital when more difficult circumstances arise. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVE to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel continues working through this prophecy in the book of Daniel explaining the pieces and parts that you may be overwhelmed by. He'll also point out that there's a character in this prophecy that you're likely familiar with, Jesus. If you're not familiar with him, be sure to tune in. There's a lot you need to know about the Savior of the world. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Friction. Until then... May God bless.